produced by Podcast Architects. Howdy, welcome back to The Path Forward. This is episode two, part two, of our recording with Lee Bratcher from the Texas Blockchain Council. And we are excited to get going. We will have a full outro at the end of this episode where Dr. Fernandez and I will talk through our reactions to the conversation. And yeah, we appreciate you joining us. Here we go with part two. You brought up Mark Cuban though. So t- tell us a little bit more about that that experience and what did you get to ask him? How, how long did you prep? Did, is your wife, was you, were you in front of the mirror like prepping for the questions or how'd that experience go? You know, I didn't know I was going to get to talk to him. He walked in the front door of the building, like didn't even come in the back, didn't have an escort. He just came in by himself through the front door of the building. Very low key. Um, he just walked up to me and, you know, we, we talked briefly. Uh, I was, and then after the press conference, I, I then got to ask him the question um, and pre- predominantly around crypto education and financial literacy, right? Mm. The reason why they even invited us there, uh, the Mavs, for those that, um, you know, don't know, just partnered with a crypto exchange called Voyager. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you guys were familiar, but maybe some of the listeners hadn't uh, realized that. And, and this is a corporate po- a sponsorship, just like FTX with Miami Heat, sure. you know, any of these things. Um, and the the only reason they invited us, because we didn't, you know, we're not a corporate sponsor of the Mavs, we're a nonprofit. They, they you know, bat away our yeah. small sponsorship dollars. Um, they invited us to be part of the conversation for future education, financial literacy, high school, even even um, you know athletes who are uh, using this technology to maximize sure. their contracts with royalty rights, and uh, or or even they just want to invest a little bit, but they don't know where to start. Um, so we we want to participate, and they've they've invited us to participate in some of the educational opportunities around there because uh, as a nonprofit, we can kind of bring in subject matter experts that aren't shilling one thing or another right. very broad you know uh financial literacy type stuff you know that's a it's hard to to sell for lack of a better term some of those those hard skills that we used to teach kids you know when we were in high school um part of it takes something like that like a mark cuban or a, a partnership with voyager or this new crypto metaverse to get kids interested enough to, to actually invest their time into learning about this um, or to ask their parents or to ask their schools or their teachers. Because if I were just to tell you, hey, you're gonna have you know, Finance 101 and we're gonna do our taxes and I'm gonna show you about car insurance and credit card insurance, like those things are highly important. Yeah. But they don't, when kids have all these different choices when they're in high school, that doesn't resonate with our kids. But crypto does, Bitcoin does, Dallas Mavericks, you know, yeah. that does. Yeah. Now we're, we've already, we've shifted the narrative to, to highlight what we know kids are going to need. Right. Yeah. And so I can, I can draw that. I can draw kids into that, right? Hey, you're going to learn how to invest. You're going to learn how to compound interest. You're going to learn what yield farming, you're going to learn all these things yeah. that are up and coming that athletes are doing and movie stars are doing because they need to. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a huge opportunity there. I'm, I'm hoping that that, that takes off and that soars because and that's another way to get it into our, the hands of our kids, the technology component of it. So that, that's pretty cool. What, um, did you have any questions you wanted to ask him that you didn't get a chance to? Like, was there one that you had on the? Oh, yeah. I mean, millions, right? Uh, millions of questions around, um, you know, I, I've always just kind of, 
I don't know, um, admired is not the right word. I, I have a immense respect for him, um, just as an investor, as you know, he, he's, he just seen, he's, he's almost like seeing ahead of the curve yeah. uh, on the technological emerging tech front. Um, so I didn't get to ask any of those questions. I also really wanted to ask him, uh, and not really even ask him, but just talk to him about uh, Bitcoin and Ether and DeFi mm -hmm. and, and these things. You know, he's he's such a loud uh, voice. He's not loud. What I mean is he's got such a big megaphone. Yes. People listen when he talks. People listen when he talks. And if he could uh, just adjust his message a little bit, I think he could be, uh, you know, immensely influential to the, the, the West and, and the United States in particular, uh, moving in the direction that I think we need to move in, which is decentralization, moving away from, you know, the, the kind of the Chinese authoritarian financial surveillance, right. uh, police state type stuff. Uh, he can do that at the grass level. You know, he can, he's on Shark Tank. He's got the, yep. you know, the, the audience mm -hmm. to really train the next generation to be thinking about things like privacy, decentralization, uh, value trade, you know, trade-offs, right? Like even, even the Bitcoin piece, like, oh, it uses energy. Yeah. So does everything else that we do in the world uses energy. You know, Bitcoin mining uses less energy than Christmas lights. Right. Right. And we derive value of Christ from Christmas lights because they're aesthetically pleasing people. It's nostalgic. People like them. We derive infinitely, I can't say infinitely, but significantly more value from a, um, sound money ecosystem like Bitcoin than from Christmas lights. Right. So put things in, you know, if we put I things in. I don't know, my wife might argue. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. But I, but yes, point well taken. Yeah. Well, I mean, and to, to even bring it more closer to home, that's something with mining in the word. Zinc mining uses more energy than, than Bitcoin mining. And um, Jason Lowry, um, he's a, it sounds funny when I say this. He's from Space Force, like legit. <laughs> uh, he's a Bitcoin researcher for Space Force. Like okay. He's doing his PhD dissertation on Bitcoin and national security. He's probably one of the top DOD thinkers on, on Bitcoin. And he had a uh, kind of a thought stream the other day, a logical train of thought where he was saying all the other value transfer mechanisms throughout history um, have been secured with blood, right? Oil, gold real estate, all these things are secured um, through rule of law at the end of a, uh, at the yeah, end of a sphere of or the threat of force, right. uh, the end of a, a barrel of a gun in, in the 21st century, right? So right. Um, Bitcoin is the first value transfer system or store of value that is secured through code. That's, it's a complete sea change. That's revolutionary. Mm -hmm. What do you think the hesitation is? Is it just the, the education piece? People don't know exactly what it is and what it, what it, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think just like the internet took years for people to adopt and, and, you know, people in our parents and grandparents generation said, Oh, I'll never have to learn that. And then like 10 years later, they have an iPhone. Yeah. Um, you have no choice. You have no choice. And, and I think 10 years from now, we'll all be using blockchain. We just don't know. We don't know that we're using, uh, certain internet protocols. We send an email. I think it's called S SMTP yeah. uh, for email communications. 
I mean, I, I can barely even remember the name of the protocol, much less how it works, but I use it every day. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, SMTP is the outgoing one. Yeah. 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 Something about packets of information. Again, showing my computer science illiterate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the, I think the other, the other hesitation, I mean, it is fear of the unknown, but at some level, if you talk about the internet, unless you're getting into what for many people was kind of the defining one, which is I don't want to put my personal information online. And mm. especially you start talking with the, with the boomer crowd, you start talking about social security numbers and <laughs> that crowd gets really twitchy. Like I, and, and, and you not should just tell them like, obviously. Hey, Experian was already hacked. Everything <laughs> your social security is yeah. already on the dark, dark web. Yes. Yes, it definitely is. Uh, it's not everybody, of course, but frequently. Yes. I, I think in, in this case, blockchain and Bitcoin get to that point of discomfort even faster than the internet mm. did, though, because we're not we're immediately talking about money. And when people say when you when when the worst case scenario is all my money could disappear in five seconds, or five microseconds, that people are like, I'm, Show me ten years of clean operation around the world, and then I'll and then I'll sit down with you. Yeah, that and you know is is that a at, at some level is that a fair position? That's yeah, reasonable. Yeah, kind of yeah. is. Um, so yeah. now, do I think that people need to be paying more attention to this stuff? Yes, also yes, but but I understand the hesitation. No, I yeah. do. I, uh, I I was listening. So every day I have this routine where I listen to several podcasts. You know, to uh, a lot of them are a lot of them are crypto based, right? Um, but all of the big money, all of the smart money is already down the road of yeah. changing how they're doing things, particularly in finance, right? The banks are having to jump on board every day. I see new, uh, well, Bank of America is going to have to offer this because people are asking for it. Mm -hmm. So I think the, the comfort level is going to kind of be washed aside, if you will, because you're not really going to have a choice and you're going to have to leverage it because it's going to be um, what's what standard at some point? I think it'll move pretty quickly. Um, once some of the the players that are not going to be there for the long time kind of wash out or get absorbed, I think we'll have all right. That's just the banks do it this way, and it's in instantaneous, and you can move your money how you need to. And mm. um, you know, here are the guardrails, like you said, around it. But um, and we might have a middle road too, right? You know, yep. in June, the Texas Department of Banking issued regulatory guidance to all Texas charter banks that they can custody crypto for their clients, hmm. right? So none of us probably are gonna take any bank up on that, right? Because the whole point of crypto is you can self custody. right? But uh, for people like our parents and grandparents, yeah. uh, those generations, they may be more comfortable starting out with a custodian like a bank that they've always used. And so, you know, they buy uh, an investment or they, they buy some digital assets, Bitcoin or otherwise, they put it into, um, you know, cold storage in their bank or their bank has some sort of, uh, you know, digital custody like solution that they've white labeled from a, a you know, top of the line, you know, um, custody, you know, company right. that's white labeling these, these, the back end products for these banks. Sure. So it's not like your, your neighborhood credit union is going to have to develop uh, you know, mechanisms and protocols for, you know, and, com you know, compliance techniques for custody and crypto. They're just going to white label something from a tech provider. So, 
Speaking of, of banks in, in Texas, so you got to tell us a little bit about your visit with the governor, with Governor Abbott, and kind of what prompted that and what happened? What was the conversation like? No, we were trying to get him to come speak at the summit. Okay. You know, we had the Texas Blockchain Summit in Austin uh, October 8th, so several weeks ago. And you know, Senator Cruz came and spoke, SEC Commissioner Hester Peirce, Senator Corn and Senator Lummis, CEOs of, of very large crypto and blockchain um, you know, companies, Bitcoin mining companies like Argo, Rhodium, Winstone, Riot, Core Scientific, Compass, you know, the, the list goes on. So there's a lot of energy around that, and he couldn't make it. Uh, now, I don't know if, if this is true or not, but this is what I like to think, that he was sad that he couldn't make it because he had an obligation in Dallas you know, that weekend that he couldn't miss. Um, I, I would like to think that he was bummed that he couldn't make it. So the very next week, he allowed us to host a blockchain, uh, a Texas Blockchain Council reception at the governor's mansion with him and 40 of the CEOs of, of our corporate member companies. Now, we couldn't invite every single person that's part of the TPC. We had to prioritize some of our... Sure. Uh, corporate CEOs, and uh, it was a great experience. Great experience. They they all got to come and meet him and, and interact and engage. And he does really want Texas to be a leader. Um, and he actually starts, I mean, we gave him a copy of the Bitcoin standard months ago when we met with him the first time, kind of, a, it was a small um, engagement, a small meeting. And whether or not he's read a page of that, I don't know. I think he indicated that he had glanced through a little bit of it. He probably didn't have time to read the whole thing. But he's taking time to educate himself on this, especially Bitcoin mining, because Bitcoin mining brings stability to the Texas grid because these are intermittent users. They're on the controllable load program, whether they can shut off within five seconds and push that big, that large bulk power back, back to, to the grid. grid. Mm -hmm. So Why is we, that relevant to Texas? Uh, I know, right? We, we've been fighting that narrative for the last, where, since the winter storm, uh, Storm Uri. And so he he got he was already interested because sure. he's already fascinated with blockchain and, you know, he's got a legal background. And so that the economics and the, the rule of law and the governance, that all appeals to him. But we, we started talking about how this could bring a resilience and harden the Texas grid. He got pretty interested. He's like, oh, the people at the PUC and ERCOT need to to hear about this and he was going to try to he said well you need to meet with this person and they're like yes sir we've we've met with them they're aware they're supportive you know ERCOT's aware of controllable load uh they're aware that bitcoin will be a growing uh percentage of the controllable load right, right now it's not that big you know bitcoin mining in texas is less than 1.5 percent of the total grid is bitcoin mining you know in five years it might be more like four percent of the total Texas grid is Bitcoin mining. I was going to say 1.5% is pretty, I mean, that's, that's substantial. That's, yeah, that's meaningful. Yeah, that's nearly a megawatt. Yeah. Uh, or sorry, a gigawatt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, several hundred megawatts worth of Bitcoin mining in Texas. And imagine that amount of power being able to, to put that in perspective for listeners. I'm pretty sure the city of Lubbock is like 100 megawatts, like downtown Lubbock. And so, so we're talking about many times the size of the city of Lubbock of, of power. And you, when you hear that, you're going to get freaked out. You're like, that's a ton of power. What they're actually doing is they're going out into these um, rural areas and they're soaking up unused power that wasn't otherwise going to make it right. to the transmission system anyway. Now, some of it was, we can't say all of it, but there's a ton of unused and wasted power in the Texas grid because we can't get it to where we need it when we need it. The duck curve, 
transmission, grid congestion. It's it's all a problem. We talked about this at the Bitcoin conference. Exactly. Yeah, there's there's a, a huge market incentive for Bitcoin miners to go soak up unused and wasted power. Now they're going to be connected to the grid and they're going to be using some of the power that, um, you know, would be part of the, the grid circulation anyways. But they're also creating a bigger baseload demand that incentivizes more production, especially wind and solar. And then you turn that off when, when the grid uh, is stressed a little bit or strained a little bit. You know, you can turn it off within five seconds. That's unlike any other heavy industry oh. in the state. Yeah. Other other heavy, heavy industries fought with the governor, fought with the legislature, did not want to turn off during Winter Storm Uri because, and I don't blame them. It's very cost prohibitive. I mean, you, to restart some of these factories, it's costing them millions of dollars. Sure. Uh, but Bitcoin miners are like, no, we'll make more money turning it off and selling our power back to the grid than we are mining Bitcoin. You know, they had that strike price, right? Where, right. Because we had that deregulated energy only market. So when cost of power starts to go up, they hit that point where like, all right, shut them down. We're going to make more power pushing this power, make more money pushing this power back into the grid than we otherwise would make mining Bitcoin. You talked about the connects that Governor Abbott wanted to set up with you guys. And you said, hey, we, yeah, we for, we're fortunate we, we spoke with them already, which kind of leads me to a question of, if there's one yes that you feel like is most important to still get, like if you could talk to one person and get a yes from them on some issue in the next year, what's the what's what's at the top of your wish list? Ben, that's a great question, um, and it probably wouldn't be the governor. I mean, he's been very supportive, uh, and and he doesn't make like direct introductions, right? He he may have had one of his staff introduce somebody from. Or Cotter or something like that. Uh, or he may have just said, Hey, you you've got resources, make the introduction on your own. So we certainly can't like ask him to do things like that. He's got way more important things on his mind. But the one person would actually be the comptroller. Okay. Uh, Glenn Hager. I would ask the comptroller to enable Texans to either donate or pay property taxes in virtual currency, which that's the language we have to use for Texas because that's how it's written into the Uniform Commercial Code. That's the, but but if you could pay your, your property taxes in Bitcoin or you know state taxes, franchise tax, um, that would that would be a forcing function that would force the state of Texas to reckon with Bitcoin. And you know if the comptroller allowed donations of Bitcoin to the state of Texas, just donations. People wouldn't donate Bitcoin if they thought it was going to be converted immediately to U.S. dollars. But if the comptroller was willing to hold Bitcoin on the balance sheet for the state of Texas, you know, there's a lot of Texans that are Bitcoiners yeah. that would say, hey, I'd give 1% of my Bitcoin net worth to that. You know, they're not going to leave a lot, but they would give some. And um, that so that would be my ask is that the comptroller could facilitate either Bitcoin donations or the payment of certain kinds of taxes uh, in virtual currency. To our listeners, you all hold a lot of influence. There are a lot of people who listen to this show. And if you'd like to, if you'd like to help us out with this ask, you can just, uh, just get us at the podcast architects, open, uh, open email, just email us at podcast.architects at gmail.com. We're looking for, uh, we're looking for a discussion with Glenn Hager. That's right. The comptroller. Yeah, and, and we have had conversations with his staff, his senior staff, so they're aware of it. Um, 
it's just going to take some political muscle to push it through. Not that, yeah. you know, not that they don't want to do it. It's just they've got a million things. And this it's, sure. it's not a, a an endeavor without risk, right? There is some risk involved. Yeah. So, um, you know, we need some technical and political uh, capital to to help push that across the finish line. And that could be years away, but I'd love to get there at some point. Yeah. Let's see. What, let's see if we can help. I was hoping you'd say from to Mark Cuban, you know, I wish you would have traded Dirk like <laughs> around his sixth season, you know, we could got, got something in exchange for him. No, that, uh, I always think about what I would ask, like, cause I'm a big Stark Tech fan. It's like, what would yeah. I ask Mark Cuban if I ran into him? Yeah. It would always be a basketball question. Like, you know, silly me, instead of asking him, Hey, how do we educate kids? And it's like, what about Dirk? You could have traded him. You got, <laughs> so, um, he probably would have Steve Nash get away. Yeah. Yeah. I commend you on keeping it focused. Um, or the governor's like, Hey, where is, how many bathrooms does this place have? Like, I'm, I'm always <laughs> focused on the stuff that's not really aligned with, you know, the mission at hand. But, um, man, I, I'm just in awe of, of the the progress you guys have made and you yourself have made with all of this. This is it's a team effort, you know, for sure. We've got um, volunteers all around the state. Mm -hmm. We've got people that take time to go testify in front of legislative committees about sure. this stuff. You know, th there's, there's a movement afoot that... There's a lot of people, and Texans are really proud of our state, right? You don't say. Yeah, yes. and for good reason. Yeah, mm -hmm. of course. We've, you know, we've done some things. Yes, uh, and, and not me. The Texans of the past, right? We, we've we've got a history of innovation, free thinking, hard. You know, it's a pioneering work place. ethic. Yeah, no question. It's incredible work ethic. So I think when you marry that, when you combine that history and that narrative with the narrative of of decentralization, blockchain, and Bitcoin, you really get a powerful force. Mm. Um, you know, there, there's going to be a lot of just very passionate people out there that that want to see Texas lead in this, for the sake of the country. Right? If if New York leads on it, then we'll never get anything done. Uh, and New York is incredible for a lot of reasons, but they overregulate everything. Oh yeah. So uh, in that area, they are falling on their face. So, um, and it's not like Texans are about no regulation. Again, it's just smart, light touch, sensible regulations that allows entrepreneurs to flourish. And I think what you said earlier about the, the biggest in-demand skill uh, in the United States is entrepreneurship. People in other countries learn that skill out of necessity. Right. Necessity is the they mother have of to invention. Just, yeah, they have to survive. So they got to figure out the barter, how to barter to get what they need to survive. Absolutely. Exactly. I think, oh, we don't we don't learn it here. And Naval Ravikant, I think, said it best. He talks about founder founder mentality, and he basically says they can't. People with founder mentality can't rest once a problem or opportunity is identified. They recruit new skills as needed, deliver results despite politics, et cetera, et cetera. And his he closes by saying there is unlimited, unlimited global demand for founder mentality. Mm. That's it. Like and and to teach the skill set that goes around that, the concept, like just customer discovery. Yeah. How many books are, how many good books are there out there on customer discovery, which might be the most like undertaught skill in the civilized world? How many good books are there on customer discovery? One, hmm. one. I mean, maybe the answer is more than one, but if it's more than one, I've looked a long time. The publishers didn't market them very well. One, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and there's, there's some stuff in the kind of the lean entrepreneurship curriculum, so to speak on customer development, 
but it really most the core lesson there is just get out of the building um and in terms of all right now you're in a conversation or you've walked up to someone who could be a valuable source of information for you how do you approach that conversation one mm. there's just one um the mom test by rob fitzpatrick mm. is is the one that i've found but but it, and there's a ton of other skills kind of around entrepreneurship that could demystify the that process and and take us away from the world of just fake it till you make it and buy a hundred thousand followers on Instagram and like just and just try to be impressive instead of help people solve problems and help people realize aspirations and help people transition because that's what entrepreneurship really is is it's helping people transition. So I'm motivated. I don't know about you, Rick, but oh, I mean, this is that like, last thirty seconds. We need to make that like a <laughs> yeah. That's that's our that's our intro. <laughs> Clip that and send it around. But you know. It's all, it's all right here for us. Like my ask, you asked about the ask. The ask is who wants to put this technology in the hands of kids because they're going to have to use it, right? Yeah. And if you have somebody that's willing to do that and an entity that's willing to uh, partner with that and, and the right people, there's zero reason why Texas can't lead in this space. Zero reason. I mean, this is, is a ripe opportunity for us. And we've got to do it responsibly because if we don't do it, and they're going to try to learn it on their own. Correct. Their friends are going to teach them. And then yeah. you know, there's some negative consequences to the blind leading the blind. <laughs> Correct. No, Correct. M much like my Voyager balance uh, <laughs> sometimes um, as I'm watching uh, the next coins coming out. But um, this is an exciting time, man. I, I can't thank you enough for spending some time with us and just, you know, giving your expertise and the overall picture. I had no idea. The, the property component of it, like I didn't, I wasn't even thinking. I was thinking, you know, medical records that would make sense and some different logistical components. But I, I didn't even think about real estate and how that would. Anytime value is transferred, yeah, that's where you need to plug it in. There's a there consortium plus value transfer equals blockchain use case. Uh, uh, those things not present, blockchain probably is not what you need. You know, it, it's it's th there was a lot of. Uh, overhype early on. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think we need to kind of narrow the focus. Right. Value transfer and a consortia. So. Before we let you go, give us one funny story from uh, the Army, basic training, something. You got to give us one because my dad has a ton. So we got to hear one. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, man. <laughs> okay. So basic training. Um we're we're learning grenades. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. We're learning grenades. You and have so our attention. We we uh, we're all lined up, right? We're throwing dud grenades and everything. And uh, you get up there. The drill sergeant's got you. You know, uh, um, you you're in front of a you're in a bunker, and you get the live grenade, and you walk out there, and like the, the army's very risk averse on this kind of stuff, right? So it, it is nowhere near, uh, you know, a, a traditional combat situation right. right it's very very uh, controlled environment and so this one guy uh takes it takes a pin out of the grenade goes to throw it barely goes like just a few feet in front of him <laughs> and uh the drill sergeant who's with him grabs him and thankfully they're in a bunker so he grabs him and like yanks him down to the ground and all the rest of us are way back like 20 yards back behind these 
barriers, right? So there's no risk to us. Right. Just the two of them out there. And he grabs them, pulls them down. Obviously, it goes off and, and they're safe because they've they've got these bunkers built. But, uh, you know, he, the drill sergeant did it in such a way that, you know, they, they kind of do it like forcefully, right? Like, right. To yeah. teach him a lesson. Like, yeah. Slams into the ground. And he gets back to us. He's like, you know, rubbing his shoulders. Like, man, that, this drill sergeant smashed me into the ground. And we're like, why didn't you throw it a little further? And he's like, I didn't think it would be that heavy. <laughs> so, yeah, he just, it shocked him how heavy it was. So he, did, he didn't get it that far. He just lobbed it like it's a smoke bomb out there. I, I guess he loud. thought it was a smoke bomb or, so, you know, some sort of like, you know, in the movies, they throw a grenade like 80 yards. Yeah. Right. Uh, and they are pretty heavy. Are so, they, yeah. Yeah. But are they like five pounds, two pounds? How much do they weigh? Shoot, I don't know. Between two and five, though, probably not more than five. Did they give you like the satchel because you played baseball? It's like, all right. If we get to work, wartime situation, hardly throw up this one. Yeah, no, literally, up. they don't. They don't allow you to form, throw more than one grenade. That's how cheap the army is. Mm. Like, you get one live grenade in training total. Oh, wow! Like, because more, it's expensive, right? Every grenade well, yeah. costs a ton of money. Uh, you know, in fact, when we were shooting those two hundred threes, little uh, out of the grenade launcher, the, the M four mounted grenade launcher. Nobody except for two people in the entire basic training battalion got to shoot a live round. Everybody else had to shoot training rounds. Oh wow! That is how cheap the army is. <laughs> Maybe so, the army needs to start mining some Bitcoin. There, Maybe. there you go. Uh, Plug you know, it's, in. It's probably more valuable for national security for the army to be mining Bitcoin than for them to be training anybody on an M two hundred three grenade launcher <laughs> at this point. Because <laughs> we're fighting the wars of the twentieth century when we're training people on yeah. grenade launchers, and not that we need we don't need those kinetic skills and but that stuff is you know there's a lot of people in the military with those skills sure um the military is a very you know disciplined and trained organization they can fight kinetic wars nobody nobody can hold a candle to the united states on kinetic warfare cyber war not so much yep we got to put some investment dollars over there yep so yep. that kind of brings us full circle right we got to educate the next generation that's right yep Cybersecurity. Emerging tech, cybersecurity, AI, blockchain, the whole nine yards. Yeah. Any shout outs that you have for anybody, your team, anybody on your team, or you already shouted out to the governor and Mark Cuban. So they'll yeah. be they'll be contacting us for follow-up uh, podcast. Sure, sure. Um, no, yeah, we've got uh you know great board of directors at the TBC, Vice President of Operations, uh, Sanjay Kaluvalil. Yes. Uh, a lot of volunteers. Our Houston volunteers, Mark Cole, Deanna Bailey, um, Austin volunteers, uh, Andrea Nicholas. Uh, they they like run meetups down there just because they're passionate. So yeah, follow. So listeners can follow us on uh, TX Blockchain One at TX Blockchain One on Twitter. I'm at Lee underscore Bratcher on Twitter. And um, you know, I used to not be that big into Twitter, but crypto is on Twitter. You yeah, got to sure is. So I've been cultivating my. My yes. Twitter presence, as as they say, over the last couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah, me as well. Like I, I had to being school business. Everything's on social media, so you have to take part and learn it. So I've, yeah. I've last three years, I've gotten better and better and better. Man, this was a great conversation. I really appreciate you guys inviting me on the show and um, very thoughtful questions. And uh, yeah, look forward to pushing people towards this podcast because obviously the kind of people that y'all are interviewing, this is really exciting. So no, uh, we appreciate it. Um, you know, if you need a K-12 representative for that space, <laughs> I am, I am, uh, you know, just to, to be around people in the conversations and learning, man, you, you just don't find that everywhere. So I'll throw that offer out there for you and your team. If you need a K-12. You guy. better be careful. We might take you up on I'm that. perfectly, I'm good with that. Um, this is, I love 
this, this innovation piece, because ultimately it's going to benefit our kids. And that's what I'm about is what do we do in the best interest of kids? So we can do that. We'll be, we'll be all good. Well, I got to say that Lee delivered as expected. I mean, just blown away by all of the implications for blockchain, for sure. Bitcoin and his journey, his leadership and his journey through this process. I mean, what did you think? I thought, I thought it was really incredible. And I, I feel like every time I have a conversation around this space, I get like just that the landscape starts to come into focus just a little bit more. I still feel like the amount of things that I know nothing about far outnumbers the things that I know even 1% about, but it's, it's good to sort of get a, a better sense for me. One of the big takeaways was the first thing we touched on, which is the real estate application. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I, there's, there's so much possibility in this space and separate, you know, he taught Lee also mentioned that there was, there was this kind of overzealous, there was some overselling of what the space is capable of, what blockchain is capable of in the early going and the idea of, all right, there, where there's value transfer and a consortium, like that kind of thing, starting to zero in on that is really exciting to me. Yeah. You know, as a educator, you always say, if you need to find answers, go ask the experts or go talk to the experts or or research from what the experts have written or, or said. So, you know, being around Lee and his expertise opened my eyes to all of the other possibilities beyond just what I thought it could be and should be. So very, um, very productive discussion. And uh, I'll, I look forward to continue learning about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting, really exciting stuff. And, and one of the things I enjoyed most about this conversation is Lee is a smart person who has from everything we can tell the best of intentions and wants to help people and is coming at this from a mindset of asking questions mm-hmm. and finding out new things and learning it, it, it had a, I don't know. I feel this whole space, I feel like has a very, a very good and productive feel to it. Yeah. I and, think, I think having an educator background like he does, um, helps with that, right? Cause you're just naturally inquisitive and, you're, you're used to asking questions. And if you don't understand, well, prove it to me, show it to me. Um, let's see the research behind it. So definitely got that sense from him. So I think that he is definitely going to move the needle uh, for blockchain, for Bitcoin, um, for our local entities. And hopefully Texas will remain, become and remain a leader in the space. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's true. And, and yeah, I think conversations like this one hopefully can help advance the ball in terms of blockchain and Bitcoin and crypto in general being being constructs that serious conversations get built around, hopefully engaging conversations as well, but serious conversations where it's not, you know, hey, bro, it only goes up, you know, like that. that right. I feel like that kind of stuff is obviously fun for the memes, but when when the serious conversations start to take on that tone as well, I'm, I'm out. Gotcha. Um, and this was the opposite of that. Nope. Very excited, very excited about the possibilities. Yeah, for sure. To our listeners and viewers, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you joining us and we look forward to seeing you on another episode of The Path Forward. Thanks, Dr. Fernandez. Thank you.